For some, the goal is enlightenment. For others, their goal is a goal. Welcome back to Match Day Matinee, where every week we combine our love of football and films to dive into the cinematic takes on the beautiful game. Thank you very much for joining us today at Match Day Matinee. I'm your host for today, Adam. I'm joined by Ragav. Hello, mate. Hey, how are you doing? Not too bad. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just enjoying life. And I'm joined by Mark as well. And how are you? Good. Adam, good. Nice to be joining you guys today. So what have you guys been up to the last week since we all got together to discuss football movies? Well... At uh, the time of recording today, we have just found out that the Premier League is coming back on June 17th. Um, So that's going to be excellent. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Other than that, just, you know, as as live football ramps up, um, it's it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to see how the world will deal with, you know, physically not being in the stands and um, how long that's going to go on. Um, I may be anticipating until the end of 2021, but you know what? I think we'll see ourselves through this and we'll be back at our football stadiums in no time, but obviously making sure that safety is the number one concern. Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, there's some teams are doing some cool things. You saw that club in Denmark that's got like those Zoom screens up on one of their stands. And it's just like interesting clubs are trying different things. Another one that's running games at a drive-by cinema in Denmark. Kind of cool. Like people are trying different things that they can, but yeah, I enjoyed uh, the Dortmund Bayern Munich game the other day. Oh, absolutely! That was a, I mean, that was a great go game. The way yeah. I wanted it to, but yeah. it was still enjoyable. Yeah, those How video about, screens, those those have to be on tape delay, right? Like, there's no way they you would live. imagine so. I'd heard somewhere that they have a live team of moderators that are constantly monitoring the footage to check but you'd imagine it has to be on some yeah. sort of delay yeah because otherwise someone could do something quick right and then it's just like crap that was on TV. quite quickly yeah. yeah and they're not i guess they're piping chanting from them but not like everybody's just conversation back and forth um, and even that's weird they did it at the dortmund game where they showed you people sat on zoom and there was one guy whose internet must have been about two minutes behind everybody else because he wasn't <laughs> celebrating when everybody else was it's super awkward uh awesome. yeah uh, how are you, Mark? You been up too much this past week? I'm good. I'm uh, doing some more school, uh, homeschooling my daughter, as well as taking some own uh, courses myself, and then work as usual. And on the side, I've been binging a couple of uh, new Netflix shows, so I feel like I'm living my best college life again. College <laughs> with a kid, almost. Yeah. Watching yeah. a couple of uh, coming-of-age stories on Netflix. I discovered this new oh, TV yeah. show called Trinkets. Okay. Um, it's got Negasonic Teenage Warhead, the girl who played her from uh, Deadpool, Brianna Hildebrand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, without further ado, we're going to get into today's movie. And today we are going to talk about The Cup. Inspired by true events, the story follows two young Tibetan boys. Hayden and Nilmar escaping Tibet and arriving at a Tibetan monastery in exile nestled in the picturesque foothills of the Himalayas. The monastery attempts to hook up a satellite dish so the locals can watch the World Cup soccer matches. The cast, and I'm going to apologise in advance, I ain't going to get these names right, let's be honest. So the cast are uh, Olyen Tobgal, Netin Chokling, Jamyang Lodro and Lama Chondri, the director, and this is the hardest one to say, uh, Kientsi Norbu, who himself was a one-time Buddhist, 
The production was by uh, Jeremy Thomas and his production company, Recorded Picture Company. It was released on the 29th of August, 1999. It's a runtime of 93 minutes. The movie is available in popcorn flicks, um, but you'll need a VPN as that is only available in the US. And here's my quick little synopsis. The uh, Cup is a comedy where a group of exiled Tibetan monks find themselves torn between adhering to their Buddhist traditions and celebrating the World Cup. The film opens with some monks kicking a can of Coca-Cola and we're immediately introduced to their inner conflict in the movie. Two students arrive from Tibet, having just made the dangerous journey. They're accepted by the abbot and the gecko who run the uh, the monastery between them. They meet Lodo and Orgins, two avid football fans, one of whom has a homemade Ronaldo vest whose colours leak when it rains, in addition to obsessively poring over football magazines before cutting out the pages and sticking on the wall, including one that oddly looks like Sheffield Wednesday superstar David Hurst, which I couldn't quite figure out why. Um, they then conspire to sneak out together to watch a football match and they get caught by Gecko, who punishes the kid. However, football fever starts to permeate across the camp, leading the boys to ask permission to get a TV to watch the 98 World Cup final. The gecko is somewhat stricter and doesn't allow it, but then the abbot overrides him, tells him to lighten up and allows them, asking what time the war between the two nations fighting for a ball will start. Cue much hilarity as the boys try to raise enough money for not only a TV, but also a satellite along the way. Orgen points his friend's watch and they fall out and he can't enjoy the match, but Gecko lightens up and offers to buy back the watch. So what did you guys think? It's uh, the third foreign language film we've done and one that Mm. comes, I guess, with a little bit of homework about the context that the characters find themselves in. First Asian film too, I believe, that we've done. Yep, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So this is my first time watching this movie. I believe you guys have watched it before. When I was young, like a long time ago. I don't. I feel like I've seen it, but didn't remember a lot of it. So I'm not too sure. Maybe it's one I had on in the background, which isn't ideal with like foreign language films at all. Yeah. So I recognized bits of it. So I picked it up from somewhere for sure. Yeah. What I remember about this is when I was younger, we used to have a satellite system, and I think this what this used to come on quite often. I think on the Sundance Channel, like some indie channel like that. Um, this used to come on like once a month or so, and so I've watched it. Um, at least once all the way through, but um, maybe a few times in bits and pieces. So I, you know, the story started coming back to me. Um, I think one of the things about this movie that I didn't quite remember was the buildup, you know, the, or maybe I just didn't understand because I was too young, but the whole refugee crisis and Mm -hmm. people escaping from China to come to India um, to stay at this Montes monastery i was gonna I, I don't know why i have montessori on my mind montessori. yeah <laughs> i don't even have kids so that's the weird part yeah. uh, <laughs> drive past one earlier today or something like. i don't think so <laughs> monastery monastery um but yeah and this is something that we see quite often even when i when i've gone back to india to, to visit um sometimes our family will take us to the to the, to the northern part of india bordering nepal where all the himalayas are um and and you'd see monasteries like this um and and tibetan monks so it's quite interesting to to see those two parts of my world converge with this movie and then also prior travels that i've done yeah for sure 
this wasn't at all what I was expecting. I think from what you guys had told me and like the quick synopsis you gave me, it was two boys going out and adventure to, uh, I thought, watch a soccer match, but yeah, uh, live, but I no. guess. Uh, yeah. No, is is on TV. So I hadn't watched any trailers coming into it. I just kind of saw the posters and I almost expected like a, a road trip, like fish out of water story of these two Tibetan monks uh traveling to get to france so an hour into the movie i think i finally realized that wasn't gonna happen i'm gonna get that (laughs) they're still at the monastery i'm thinking when did they finally leave uh and spoiler alert they never leave so um Uh yeah it was it was not what i expected um it was a nice film but i i don't know it didn't it didn't engage me that much um it's weird right it spends a lot of time and i think this is justifiably so when you watch it in the context of it being directed by someone who used to be a monk it makes sense it does a lot of that groundwork to show the tibetan culture and what it is and how it exists right in now in india they're always and like even really early on when there's a taxi driver that brings the two boys and they talk about the rice and they're like do they even have rice in tibet now and they're like yeah but it's chinese rice and it's just that they're trying to set up you understanding what buddhist culture is at least based on and then i guess as the film progresses we kind of it's almost like a take of like showing the buddhist monks aren't completely what you think they are there is like a mixture of culture even the fact that they let the kids go to the local village and they're allowed to spend their money presumably on whatever they want because he comes back with these football magazines along with the supplies and it shows how there's more sway people have these images of monks don't they as like never talking being celibate giving up like every vice there is known to man where clearly these kids have these people in the monastery that clearly have coca-cola as a vice because they're (laughs) kicking around that can and then like these boys have football as a vice so i think it's trying to i think it puts a lot of groundwork into establishing that before going whole hog on like the misadventures of the football yeah i think it i think this movie actually humanizes that portion of 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 buddhism in a sense of of the monastery life um where you're right like our foray into buddhism or our view into buddhism is quotes by the dalai lama right it's about it's things that you see on tv and like you said rightly so like celibate life quiet zen you know, you hear Zen, um, those things, but this is actually putting a human element onto that part of the culture. Um, and really seeing that these people have interests outside of just, um, living a a true monk lifestyle. So yeah, yeah, that's what I took away from it. Makes the characters relatable as well. Um, I think we were supposed to believe that these are characters without want or without fault, uh, looking at it from an outsider's view. I mean, what, what you were saying, like the traditional kind of stereotypical view of a Buddhist, of a Buddhist monk is kind of, um, like you were saying, Zen without want um, or attachments, when in reality they're, they're people, right? And it's, it was cool that it was the director who came from that lifestyle and um, that religion to show the inner workings of it. So I did, I did appreciate that. We got a lot of insight into that. Yeah, and the other portion of this that I will um, say is that it was very true. So they they uh, they spoke, um, you know, their their mother tongue. I think Tibetan, or if that, I think that's the language that they were speaking throughout most of this movie. Um, but then there was scenes where um, the monks were actually speaking Hindi um, to the uh, owner of the satellite and TV. Um, so they were so they were speaking in Hindi um, at the very beginning of the movie when um, Orion is sent to get vegetables um 
from the village or wherever it is and he's riding on his bike he's actually singing a popular bollywood song in hindi while he's um so i mean they've kept really true to how buddhist refugees in india might live what some of their mannerisms may be like um and just i guess sort of a clash in culture of buddhist monks and just being in india and having to deal with indians um so that was really cool um I mean, as we kind of move on, we learn, I guess they're all rooting for France at the World Cup as well, which is interesting because and they give you a bit of context to that. Apparently the only uh, team that, the only country that massively was in support of Tibet at the time was actually yeah. France. Um, but he's wearing a, he makes a, a homemade But Ronaldo then he kit. makes a Ronaldo shirt, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, like his vest that he makes is Ronaldo. So I'm not quite sure, like mixed loyalties there. Um mm. One of the scenes that most spoke to me was actually in the very beginning when they're playing football with a Coke can. Yeah. Um, and it's, I've watched many documentaries uh, of kids, um, you know, more growing up in third world countries, you know, where, you know, in the West or in the UK, um, they say all you need is a ball and jumpers for goalposts. In a lot of African companies, the jumpers are the ball. And likewise, here, I took that away as well, where they're actually just playing with a Coke can. And um, really, it, it, it kind of puts it into perspective that football can be played in, in, in any form and the smallest thing can become a ball. And that's why I think it's the most popular sport in the world and just absolutely accessible to everybody. Yeah, I totally agree. That's definitely why that's there. And it just shows like, a kid's it's like a kid's imagination right they can score a world cup winning goal it doesn't matter like what it's with coke can pair of socks whatever right yeah. it's super cool yeah um so then we kind of as we go through the film we get to it slowly like we said slowly starts to build up the boys arrive the abbot kind of writes to their parents uh we see the we see them fitting flipping through the footy mags and one thing i noticed actually these must be it's like current football magazines they're getting because if you look on the back wall at one point it has a picture of david beckham getting sent off against argentina which happened at the mm-hmm. 98 world cup so it kind of surprised me i assumed they were old football magazines but apparently this town is pretty well stocked that they're getting like the latest football magazines might just be negligence yeah could have been. <laughs> oh, true, yeah. i think it might just be negligence to be honest <laughs> Oh, yeah, maybe in 2002? Uh, 1999. 1999. Yeah, just after the World Cup. Maybe you're right. Maybe somebody was like, oh, it'd be cool to tie in with the World Cup, but didn't really think about the real world. Yeah. Like the in-fiction implications. Exactly. Yeah, like I highly doubt they would be getting up-to-date magazines um, so quickly, right? Um, I mean, it's possible that they get them once a month or something, but... Uh, so yeah, quickly I'm, I'm not even sure. thinking like even here in Canada if there's like there's a couple of like English magazines I used to get and even like bought um, Indigo and Chapters it's always like last month's issue that they're selling like now you never get it quite yeah. current enough yeah. Um, so yeah and we also see I guess another vice at this point because like, the, uh, yeah. the kids are looking through the footy magazines and then the older one of the older kids has got another magazine they're like yeah let's look at it yeah let's look at it and it's like a not nude magazine, but I guess a provocative. I wrote smart in my comments. It's just like a, it's almost like a Sports Illustrated or something. It's um, you know, like wow. It wasn't even like a Maxim or anything. It was no it was even more tame than that. I think yeah. it was just tame. I think it was just how we're normally used to seeing advertisements in this part of the world. Yeah, I that's think true. Yeah. I think might just be a little bit like, oh my god, look, she's wearing a crop top, right? Like, yeah. like which for us, it's like legs, okay, yeah. that's normal. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Shortly after this, they um, 
go to sneak out to watch a game. Um, oh, they go and see a guy actually who's known as a predictor who smells. For some reason, it's established throughout the film that this guy stinks and his room stinks. We met him earlier in the film when the abbot was concerned about the two boys coming in. He goes and asks the gecko, oh, go and get him to make a prediction. So they go to get him to make a prediction on the football match because I guess they're between them as well. They're kind of making bets on the outcomes of the game. Uh, so they sneak out and they put on some jackets and they go to watch France versus Italy. Uh, this is the part where one of the uh, older kids doesn't understand, so we get our typical like, explanation of the offside rule, which we seem to get in every film where there's a character yeah, that yeah. doesn't understand football. That's the one thing that gets explained to them. I thought that was um, funny because 20 years on, you have um, final score, and that's still like the low-hanging fruit joke of soccer. Yeah, it's like, okay, so you can understand all the rules about like American football and how many downs each team has and stuff, but you can't right. understand offside. Yeah. It's just like... Easy joke. Yeah, you're right. It's lowest hanging for sure. The funniest thing about that is I think until very recently, I think football people didn't understand the offside rule because it was like, okay, is he offside when he's touched the ball or is it offside when he's just found to be, um, you know, um, interceding with the play? Um, So, yeah, I'm glad they've kind of sorted that out now in the professional game. (laughs) You say that, though, but VAR has made it even worse, hasn't it? Because literally any part of you that can score a goal is classed as offside. So we were getting... I remember one that was where Sheffield United, I think it was against Manchester United, were... Like the very tip of someone's boot was offside, but it wasn't the foot they scored the goal with either. And then it's just like, okay, everyone should just wear like green boots so that they can't differentiate. Yeah, or the uh, Roberto Firmino armpit offside. Yeah, that one was famous too. (laughs) Do you score with your armpit? No, I think they've revised that though to change. I know this is a total divulgence, but what handball is counted as. And I think now to stop kind of that situation happening. Yeah. Anyway, so they explain that. The kids are watching football and then they get thrown out because the little one keeps jumping up too often. And they kind of get into a little fight. It's a little bit tame, but I guess by their standards, that's like a fight because they're meant to be calm and not fighting, even though they're younger. Um, And so, yeah, so they get kicked out. They sneak back into their rooms or try to. And it's like, I guess they went out at night and it's all the, already the sun's coming up by the time they get back. Yeah, because the, the game's are on midnight, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They establish yeah. that, don't they? They establish it a couple of times, and especially like later in the film, yeah. Um, so they get for, they get caught by Gecko. He somehow appears behind them like he'd been out there wandering all the time. And so they get punished for um, sneaking out. Gecko goes to uh, talk to them about how hard it is to like discipline monks in modern time. And the abbot kind of doesn't understand it. And he's like, well, it's World Cup time. Um, so they're back in their room. There's another shot here that we see as well. I noticed it because there's uh, Carlos Roa saving a penalty against England again. So again, just all these very modern magazines in the background. And this is, I quite like this scene. Uh, after this, their punishment is to basically cook for everybody for, I forget how long for. And they're kind of cooking. One month. Is in one month? Yeah, yeah, it's one month. And that's, and that's the bet that they had made as well, right? Whoever really oh, loses yeah, has yeah. to cook. Yeah, uh, and they yeah, yeah. to do it anyways. Um, so then they're cooking and one of the kids is like, I, they're all like, oh, we hate cooking. We hate it. This sucks and stuff. And the one guy's like, I hate cooking whilst you're sat researching football because he's still sat with his magazine. Oh, right. And I <laughs> I just really like this because it remind me, reminded me of like the 
hours I spent like pouring over like Panini sticker albums every tournament and like learning all yeah. the stats and stuff. And I was like, this kid is just like basically me, but in a different setting. And I was like, it's super joy, it's super true and like truly relatable to kids that on the onset when you first start to fall in love with, I guess any sport, right? You just you pour over it in a way that you never have time to do later on in life unless it becomes a career for you. Um, so that was super we, cool. We still do that, but it's, um, it's there's no like right? tangibility to it. Like you can spend hours and hours on Wikipedia just diving down that hole. Yeah, Whereas that's when we true, were kids, right? yeah, you would get like, um, I remember like a program, I would find a program for yeah. um, like the World Cup at my library and just pouring over like the most detailed Everything. of stats or like going to the movies and picking up that movie magazine and you would read it from like front cover to back cover just pouring yeah. over it yeah that's a good example actually those world cup yeah. so like i remember world cup night excuse me world cup 98 i could like um i could recite nearly every player in every squad mm. at one point that was at world cup 98 just because i spent so long reading and i tell you the who was in what group and when they played each other it's just like i knew everything before world cup 98 game yeah i remember um, like here we'd have like the toronto sun is I don't know if you classify it as a rag now, but like back then they would have amazing sports sections that were full pullouts and they would do it for like the Olympics, uh, World Cup, Euros yeah. back then. And yeah, yeah, like taking those out and you would just get, like you were saying, you'd have a poster in there and you'd go over every single detail, every single match preview, um, much like you would now online, but there's so much, uh, diver- like you just get diverted to like oh, another stuff. article about something completely different at that point. So it's your attention is just shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it's during this moment they kind of talk about the kids researching the football and he's like, I'm still going to watch that game no matter what. I don't care. I'm finding a way to watch that game. Yep. Um, but then they kind of take a different tact and decide to ask if they can get a TV instead. Uh, so Gecko is initially like reluctant, but he goes to ask the abbot. And the abbot kind of, this is quite a sad scene really, really because I... I don't know if their love of football is what's making him realise, but he kind of talks about how they have to let go of Tibet and realise that they will never return and kind of accepting that this new generation of monks, he says that they'll never understand what it's like to live in Tibet. So it's kind of like he's accepting that like, his way of running the monastery is not what it's going to be like in future generations because like, one of these kids may grow up to run it and they're still going, they're going to have a different outlook on it just by the nature of the fact that they weren't brought up in Tibet in the same way. And so the abbot kind of accepts that maybe they have to embrace uh, whatever vice people have. And in this instance, it's the football and it's the World Cup. Um, Uh, One funny scene was, um, you know, uh, when, what's his name? Gecko is talking to the abbot and he's basically explaining the scene that uh, you were saying, right? Um, And he's basically saying, well, you know, it's it's two countries fight over a ball. um, And then the abbot's like, is there violence? He's like, sometimes he's like, is there sex? He's like, no, the good news is there's no sex. And then the abbot's like, well, how do you know so much about this? Um, and that was a really funny scene because the guy was just had like a wry smile on his face. Yeah, he doesn't um, actually respond. Yeah, he doesn't actually respond. Um, one more thing about these actors. So Gecko is a Buddhist monk still uh, named Orion Tobgel, um, who's obviously... Um, on the credits of this movie. But I also find it rather interesting that the main character, um, the boy, his name is Orion in this film. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking if there's any kind of parallels to like, is Orion in the movie supposed to be Orion Tobgel? 
um it's based on a, yeah story, right? yeah it is yeah that's what the end yeah. credits say that it's based on a true story um well, that would make sense and be a cool like symmetry yeah like and then who's playing the strict maybe like a, somebody that influenced him in his earlier life kind of or something yeah and then netin chockling i think is a uh buddhist monk as well who's also um credited to this movie it uh, gives it more authenticity even right? yeah uh, yeah, you were saying the director was a, a monk as well, right? Yes, was he was a point? former monk, I guess. Yeah, because I was reading that he was involved with um, the Keanu Reeves movie, A Little Buddha, I think it was. Oh, okay. And that's where he met the producer on this film. And then that's how they oh, got wow. together and they made this movie. Uh, so I think this is probably his first movie, right? Yeah, it was the first movie. Yeah. One thing I found really off-putting about this film, I, I think it might have been for like the first hour or so, um, there was no score. Or not that I could recall no. immediately. There was no musical score, so it kind of just plodded along for the most part. And then towards the climax of the film, you did start to have that like traditional uh, Tibetan flute music. Yeah, which was yeah, like, really yeah. lacking. Yeah, in that Even first hour. At the very beginning, you had some chanting yeah. and stuff, but other yeah, than that, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, it wasn't until like the hijinks started that we got a bit of music, kind of. Yeah, yeah. the movie would have really benefited from it. Do you think though? I think it could also have the opposite effect where if you start putting in a score that a would probably sound nothing like anything tibetan monks you know they do have a traditional music though i guess but yeah you could even work it into the film itself where they're i can't remember the term where where the music is coming through a radio or from a live performance so use it in that sense don't like just put it in as like a hollywood um, no no absolutely score being put over but yeah it it, the pace of the movie is very slow and then to not have the score on top of that i just found it really Uh, yeah so that part i'll agree with you on i think especially leading up to any conversation about football whatsoever i think that movie builds up very very slowly um like the first time i think they mention it is brazil versus argentina or something uh orian mentions that and that's like he passes the note doesn't he yeah yeah Yeah. but that's a solid like 15 minutes into the movie um and then just to build up to them actually indulging or watching football is like a solid 40 minutes into the movie um so I found the build up and just the and I think some scenes were dragged on rather long. Um, I think one scene that comes to mind is some of the, um, I guess, the prayer scenes. There's also that scene where they're washing the clothes. I think that one was especially mm-hmm. dragged on a little bit too long. Um, so, yeah, I th- yeah, I think the pacing of this movie suffered a little bit. I honestly didn't think it needed to be like it was already a short hour and a half movie, but I think they could have gone for like even shorter to be honest yeah. I don't know if it needed to be a full feature length film that's what's weird that all I remember about it is the later scenes I don't remember like I was like watching the clock thinking well when do they start running around trying to get money and stuff because I remembered that bit vaguely yeah and yeah and it's hard right I think it's like almost the movies like I it's nice it's all scene setting right and all like dressing to be like here's how they live and stuff and make this world seem like livable and like believable and but then there's just too much of an about turn to be like ah, actually we like football it's okay let's go for it and we'll go do what you gotta do get the money get the tv get the satellite we'll chuck it up on the roof and we'll forget about being buddhist monks for 90 minutes and it's like it's to the film's detriment that that about turn happens so quick after all that slow build-up you're right it's almost needed the film needed to it needs to do it more naturally or gradually somehow and it didn't it just yeah shot out like gecko comes back out and he's like all right whose idea was it 
He's like, okay, you go around collecting the money, and then if you get enough money to get the TV and everything, then we're watching the World Cup tonight. Um, one of the, it's another quite funny scene. I guess they get the the old predictor and they uh, lock him in the room, lock him in a room, and they say, well, if you give us all your money, we'll let you out. Yeah. And then they kind of don't let him out. They yeah. give him the key, and he's still locked in the room because he yeah. can't Water get his hand yeah. up to the padlock. And they just pass the key under the door. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so they go to see this Indian guy who's selling TVs and satellites. And unfortunately, they're $50 short because the guy is like, well, it's the World Cup. The price has gone up. But it was $50. I think it I was love like it. 300 the week before. Now he's saying yeah. it was 350 And yeah. like, hey, World Cup's nudged the prices up. And they're just like, what? So authentic. Yeah. That's from that boy TV, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I was like, yes, they really did their research. Like, definitely during yeah. World Cup, this guy would raise uh, raise a price by fifty, like, and it's like, if you want installation, get me another fifty. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> did you guys read the uh, sign outside his shop? No, it said no, something video. Remember. Yeah, like every other word was misspelled, so it was like flim, flim and video. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure that happens. <clears throat> of course. <laughs> uh, so in the end, they struggle to get the money, but they do get the kid's watch that he brought from Tibet and they decide to pawn the watch. Uh, but on the, uh, I guess the notion that if, uh, I think it's if France win, then he'll win the bet and he'll get another 50 bucks. He can buy the watch back, but the little kid, nah, we find out kind of late. He's not happy with that choice. No. Uh, so they end up getting a tractor to take the satellite and the TV. Um, and as they're wheeling away, they're like, Oh, which way do we point the satellite? Yeah. And he's like, north. And they're like, okay, brilliant. Um, and then as they're driving back, we kind of have, like, I think it's a voiceover from the abbot again, talking about how monks are exposed to things that other monks never would have been exposed yeah. to, but that these things are ultimately still safe. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's true, right? There's so many horrific vices in the world that could lead you down mm. a way worse path than just watching football could be. And that's why it's the beautiful game and everything, right? Um, so they heist up the satellite onto the roof. This TV's not working. They kind of reposition it and it gets working. Uh, they're watching the game and then there's a power cut. And then they uh, have some proverbs told about a rabbit whilst uh, using like shadow puppets with their hands, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I always, there's always a fascination with how people can contort their hands to look like, like genuinely look like different animals. And they yeah. manage that here. Um, and then the lights come back up, the football's back on, and everyone, somebody yells, to hell with the rabbits, let's watch football. And then the abbot and Gecko both come in, and they're kind of given like garden lawn chairs to sit on and watch. Um, but little, um, the main guy... Orion. Uh, Orion, yeah, is like watching at the front, like miserable, and he's not focused and stuff, and you kind of don't realise why. And it's because his friends won't come and watch it with him because they're pissed about him pawning the watch uh yeah so he kind of kind of goes off to his room and gecko notices he's gone or abbott points out to him he's gone so he goes to be like hey what's up um and he's in his room like rifling through his stuff and he's trying to find stuff that he could use to pay for the watch and he has like an old knife that he brought from home and the gecko's like no you can't get rid of this knife this is like a traditional tibetan knife that you brought with you from your family so he agrees that no matter regardless of what the game is I will pay your money. So then they go to watch it. And the really weird thing about it is, but it does make sense in the context because 
they go back to watch the game and you don't actually see any of the goals. No. You see a couple of shots of things happening. You see one of uh, Emmanuel Petit smiling. You see a shot of Zidane smiling. And then it, it like fades out. And as they're walking away, um, Gecko's telling the kids a story and he's like, oh, you want to hear about how the story of the rabbit ends? And he's like, it doesn't matter how the end of the story ends. And it's kind of like... Was that meant to be talking about football? Like it's all about the enjoyment of the vice that is football. Like enjoyment of football. And does, yeah. At the end of the day, the result doesn't matter, and that's why we don't ever see any goals. I, I well, that's, that's how I interpret it. Yeah. So the ending was a little bit confusing for me personally, and it might have just gone way over my head. And keep in mind, this movie was made by um, a guy that that's a former monkey, still a llama, actually. Um, so I don't know what this, you know, maybe it's trying to put something together. But yeah, I think your take on it, maybe it's like, you know what? We don't care about the ending, right? Mm. How if, 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 you know, if you don't know the ending, how can you be unhappy? Or if you know the ending, then yeah. how are you unhappy? And it's I think like maybe, that, yeah. When people are saying like, uh, how, can a, how can you enjoy a football match when it ends nil-nil? Yeah. Yeah. Right? How can anybody enjoy that? It's not about the result, is it? It's not about the result, yeah. Yeah, it's about all those moments in that 90 minutes, all the talking points and everything, and the moments of pretend euphoria when you think a goal's gone in or something, when a goal's just allowed. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't live my life like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me, supporting Portsmouth, I have to live my life like that. <laughs> like, For me, the end chance. result's all that matters, right? I'm like, you know what? Go in, play the crappiest football you can. If you get the result, you get the result, right? Well, imagine playing crappy football and not getting the results because well, that's been my life for most of the last 10 years. <laughs> TFC up until 2014. Yeah. Nah, even later was, like, than that. The first club team yeah. I followed, so yeah. that was all in you for a while there. Oh, man, good times. So we've kind of gone through the plot and everything, and the only other part to kind of talk about is the uh, footy flicks. So we don't get a whole lot. Um, we do get the kicking of the foot, uh, Coke can early on, and then there is a shot uh, later on in the film just before they're about to go cooking where they are playing football. Yeah. Um, and it's it's very typical of what we've seen in a lot of these other films of like the close-up shots, no real skill, but... I thought in this context, this made sense because it really captured that frenetic, like, nature of, like, I'd call it, like, undeveloped or, like, uncoached football. Like, that's exactly how kids play football, like, all chasing the ball, shoving each other, trying to just do whatever they can to get the ball. It actually kind of worked in its own ways. What do you guys think? It draws comparison to United Passions when they had the kids playing in the kind of dirty field. But that felt mm-hmm. so commercialized and uh, stylized, whereas this yeah. actually had a bit of that like uh, innocence to it and yeah, the truthfulness word, to yeah. it. Yeah, I think for me it was I really enjoyed these footy flicks. Not obviously not because of the skill, but agree with you on the proportion of which this is raw. Right, this is maybe mm. how kids across the world play. But I think more than that, watching them play in monks robes. Um, you know, just, just running around, not, not really knowing what they're doing. I think just the costume and everything, it really puts into perspective how global football really is. Um, any corner of the world, any, any kind of dress sense, you know, however remote you might be, everybody knows football. And that is, that is, you know, why I love this game. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And those that were actual monks as well, I think they used uh, a number of monks from that region as extras. So Again, guys with um, nothing but love for the game. 
That's it. It's raw passion. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's what's forgotten sometimes. I, I feel in in countries that are more developed in football, yeah, um, where it's just Boy. that raw love for the game, not the commercialization of it, yeah, not, the, money, yeah. not the not the not the I got a season tickets, and, player yeah. development pathways, pay to play. I mean, in comparison, when we have some of our conversations offline, I mean, it's just like, like just just put it into perspective. It's a global game. It can be played in any form, right? Yeah, yeah. So good footy flicks overall. Then just. Very different to some of the others we've uh, seen, but all yeah. the same, good. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for the plot of the film and everything. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to mention, discuss? I thought the main actor was amazing. Like He's I, good. The, yeah, yeah, and I think this was his only role up until 2006, so it's a shame that he didn't actually um, kind of get brought into not Hollywood, but at least uh, Asian cinema and do uh, a lot more roles because his character, like his um, facial expressions and the characterization of the little kind of troublemaker in the, the uh, monastery in exile was just spot on. I, I loved it. I'm actually going to search up his filmography because I do believe he has some, um, he has some uh, plaudits to his name. Is that one it? more in 2006? I think it was. Yeah. That was uh, it. Okay. Then there you go. All right. Yeah. But, but I thought he did a really good job to be honest. Yeah. Uh, like there wasn't any bad acting in this film now that I think of it like there was that guy who was always asleep which was uh, great comedic relief Um, the kid who had his watch taken from him uh, dealing with that trauma Uh, but yeah Yeah, those two kids in particular newer ones did like a good job of seeming like out of sorts kind of like through their facial expressions like not quite comfortable and like learning the ropes almost like they did a really good job of that versus like the somewhat cockier other kids that were there yeah, I felt a little bit sad, I guess, every time I saw the little one with the watch. It's just because yeah. he's like, he misses his mom and then he loses his watch that his mom gave him. And it's like, God, man, what are you guys doing? Yeah. He was deaf as well, right? Was he? Yeah, up at the, sorry, towards the end of the film, you actually see him and his, I think it was his uncle, uh, speaking to each other in sign language. Ah, I didn't, oh, that's not something I caught. Oh, okay. You never actually see the kid talk to uh, Orien, from what I remember. Because when he, he needs to get the watch, his uncle walks off to go talk to him and say, we need the watch. He gets upset and he comes back with the watch. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. yeah. Huh. What would you... Uh, so, the five-star rating, what would yeah, you guys give this out of five? I, I don't... It's hard. I, I feel harsh giving it a low... I think it's a well-made film, true to what it's trying to display, but it's not got any of the craft of a lot of the other films we've seen it's gonna it's gonna be like a two and a half for me it feels a bit harsh but it's how i feel yourself mark i feel guilty giving it the score because of like the the real life situation behind the film so <laughs> it's gonna be a two for me like i just i didn't enjoy this film i appreciate the subject matter the uh, authentic look into uh tibetan culture and the yep. effort but yeah, I just, I didn't enjoy this film. It was an hour and a half long. And honestly, I feel like it could have been like, not to make light of it or anything, but this could have been like a 10 to 15 minute, like, uh, like I've seen Pixar do more in 10 minutes yeah, with uh, kind of similar subject matter than this film did over an hour and a half. Like I just, I didn't feel it need to be an hour and a half long and it could have been such a tighter film without that and a little bit of a score in the background. 
to really build that emotion uh, would have helped it a long ways. And you guys know I rate movies pretty highly, so yeah. a two is, is pretty harch, man. <laughs> That's interesting uh, yeah. turn of events. How about you, Raghav? Yeah, I'm going to go with two and a half as well. So Mark is on the low end this time, but uh, I'll go with yeah. a two and a half um, only because I do tend to agree that I think given the subject matter, I think they could have shown a lot more on what it means to not really have a home. Right. You're not Indian, but you the Chinese government doesn't really claim you yeah. either. I think I think that could have been more talked about. Um, I think I think Mark was right that there could have been some sort of soundtrack or score to the to the to the movie uh, just to give it that little bit of oomph. Um, but I did appreciate the authenticity. I appreciated that it was um bilingual even right because it was in tibetan yeah, and it was in hindi yeah. like i, I like yeah. that authenticity right and that you really got a feeling that these guys are refugees in india i just wish they would have told more of the backstory of the, about that um and then i think they should have focused on the football potentially a little bit more because it was just kind of like it just hits you out of the blue yeah um, i agree yeah um but yeah, I think I think a solid two point five. It's an indie film, so yeah. That's the other thing. Actually, now you've said that, like the way the football fever builds up in the monastery isn't believable because we're only really led to believe it's like a handful of the kids that are exactly. Interested. Yeah, but by the end of the film, like everybody's all up watching. Everyone's helping heist up the yeah. satellite onto the roof. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you're think- right. That is fair. That might be a cause of there not really being anything else. So it's a change from the ordinary of uh, washing robes, cleaning and praying pretty much, right? So to have some sort of excitement on the in the monastery was probably a big deal. Maybe. Yeah. But then they should have explained that. I guess. But that's the thing. Like, So you mentioned it before too, but it was interesting how they um, strayed from politics altogether in this. Like aside from the graffiti of free Tibet on a wall at one point, yeah. um, there's not much mention of uh, Dalai Lama or like... No. Um, about trying to reclaim their region it's it's uh it stays away from that and i don't know if that helps or hurts it to be honest like i it, it piqued my interest in that I, I read more and watched more about tibet in general to learn more about it but yeah uh, i guess i, don't I think know, what do you guys think i think from the political perspective i think there's a couple scenes that i remember definitely the graffiti's one the other one is the whole bit about oh france is the only one that supports tibet mm-hmm. right, right um obviously the whole part about these people being refugees and the two kids coming in and having trouble crossing the border and then there's one line about um one guy is asking about the world cup but he's like what do you think of america and the guy's like no 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 they're shit scared of china um, oh, that's right. right not wow. not realizing that the question was football related but yeah. just politically, they're saying, no, no, America shit scared of China. So they're not going to, you know, they're not, yeah. they're not really on the side of Tibet. So that was interesting. Um, but really, yeah, they could have done a lot more. Yeah. You remind me of another scene in the beginning that was uh, actually pretty powerful when the uncle and child first come in and he's wearing the uh, Chinese communist hat with the red star on it. Ah. And he says something along the lines of, you won't need this anymore. And he tosses it into the air and it was a, yeah. a nice little shot. So. Yeah, yeah. like throw it back to China or something. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then around that same time, they talk about how it's now illegal to have a picture of the Dalai Lama as well. Is oh, it? Um, In China? Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Which it must have been for a while by then, because I guess yeah. they, they exile like the first Dalai Lama like back in the 50s or something, right? Yeah. And I guess was this it? is the eight. Yeah, I think so. I thought it was this Dalai Lama that made the deal with China... No, no, it was in 1980, it wasn't it, when they started? Yeah, to... it, was, it was fairly late, yeah. And he hasn't returned since, and the, the president of Tibet as well hasn't been back. Yeah. yeah. Um, interestingly, I think there was an uprising 
uh, a Tibetan uprising in 1959 from communist China. Um, okay, I guess maybe it was, thinking about that, I yeah. think maybe it's, it was like freedom of religion or whatever it is, but at, it's at that point yeah. that the Dalai Lama fled to India. Okay. I might um, be thinking about that. And then like, it's really Tiananmen interesting. Square like is closer to this, yeah. right? Like 10 years after this is, or yeah, 10 years. Oh, nine years. Cause that was 89. Right. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's the most common, the yeah. most recent atrocity, yeah. I guess that they faced. Yeah. It's such an interesting right. um, piece of history. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, something a that we don't commonly without know about, a country. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, that's, I'm really appreciative that the film kind of made me dive into that a bit more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of interesting things. And I, I'm guessing you have some trivia questions on Kunifa, but um, their participation oh, in that as well is, I don't want to yeah. talk about it too much in case I stumble across a, a trivia no, question. No, you but. won't. There's only one question on that. So you can talk okay. about it a little bit. But it is interesting. Like, yeah, there's a lot of teams that are like displaced. There's teams that are... Uh, places that are not recognized as nations, right? But there's also yep. t- a lot of teams that are displaced people who could live yes. anywhere. And, and they the Koreans living in Japan team. is one, I yeah. think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, we have few. one here in Canada, Cascadia. Actually, we have two. We have Quebec and uh, Cascadia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Like, I watched an interview with the, the president of Tibet, and he's living in India. And uh, he used to support Barcelona because they were the underdogs. According to him. <laughs> Similar struggle. Actually, if you think about it, the Catalan struggle, sort you know, of. This, this was because Madrid was winning too many uh, cups. Ah, okay. So he supported oh, uh, Barcelona in that sense. Nothing to do with politics. All right. <laughs> I guess so. Cool. Is that, a, is that a great segue into trivia then? I think we should move to trivia, guys. Yeah. yeah. So Go for it. to start off, we'll uh, recap the score. So I'm in the lead with 12 points. Mark with nine and Ragav with six. Jeez. Interestingly, if neither of you get points, I will be crowned champion tonight. Oh, uh, because, no. oh no, Mark, you could join level actually. I'll tell a lie. Because you could get 12 oh, points week, still yeah, for right. next week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I tried to, it's kind of hard. There's not a lot about Tibetan football. So, I've kind of brought all of the cultures together. Hold up, hold up. Before you get started, I can't oh, win sorry, anymore. You're on six. No, yeah, I didn't say your score. You're on. Six. No, I can't win then because I'm going to be hosting next week. <sighs> yeah, you did sorry. trivia last week, right? Oh, wait a second. Did I? Right. Yeah, you did trivia last week. What did film it's did we do? To Escape to victory. It's up to you if you want to concede, man. Yes, you did. Yes, you did do trivia last week. I did do you trivia correct. last week. You're yes. right. Yeah, because there was questions about Bob. Right. Not. Yeah. yeah so is it Mark that's so, yeah. doing it next week? Marston. Yeah. So actually, yeah. yes. So right. Let's recap back to where I was. I can win it this week. If Mark doesn't get three points, all right, that's exciting stuff. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's virtual handshake right now that <laughs> I'll at least get a point. But I can maybe uh, can I draw level with you if I get all three this week and all three next week? You could, right? Oh, could that's the way. Yes. Yeah. we could end up with three way tie. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Well, that's, that's exciting. exciting stuff. We should have really worked this maths out off air, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway. Forgive me. Message me off. So, yeah. so you got to absolutely <laughs> smash this, guys. Um, so it was a little bit tricky this week because there isn't much in the way of Tibetan football history. So I came to take in the three core nations that are kind of at the heart of this film. So Tibet, India, and China. And there's questions about each of them. And so it's a couple of questions each and then kind of one of those, let's try and name people off a list and see where we go. So we'll start with you, Ragav. Pick a number between one and four. I'll go three. Okay. How many times have China appeared at the World Cup? Oh, God. 
I am going to. This is going to be wrong, but I'm going to say once. Correct. Uh, awesome. Uh, it was recent. I've forgotten. I did have it in my 98, notes no? Or 2002. 98 or 2002. It was 2002. Yeah. That's the one. And they failed to get a single point from the bottom of their group. And so, yeah, so well done. So that's the point on the score for you. The comeback uh, Mark, starting. Pick a number one, two, or four. Give me four. Number four. Okay. Which league has the most teams in it? Is it the Indian Soccer League or the Chinese Super League? <sighs> Top flight only. For China, I, I want to say the Chinese Super League because I believe the India uh, Super League or whatever they're calling it just restarted recently. So Chinese yeah. Super League. You are correct. Uh, okay. Chinese Super League has 16 teams. Indian has uh, 10 at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And he was one. Corolla Blasters. Yeah, that's the one that David James played for. He used to be a Portsmouth goalkeeper. Yeah, and and a a Liverpool goalkeeper. Yeah, (laughs) of course, yeah. Uh, So, Ragav, uh, one or two? I'll go one. Okay, Tibet, as we've talked about, are a member of Kanifa. They unfortunately did not qualify for this year's tournament. Can you tell me one team that did qualify for this year's tournament? Only because you mentioned it in a previous (laughs) chat. (laughs) But I am going to go ahead and say Yorkshire. I'm afraid you are wrong. Oh, fuck. All right, that's me. That's me done. That's me done. That's me done. I feel, I feel uh, bad because we were talking about, yeah, we were talking about Liverpool and stuff when I mentioned our Yorkshire have a team. Uh, just for clarity's sake, I will uh, just say the teams that did. So Western Sahara, Mapachi, um, Kapachi, South Australia, Dafu, Metaliband, Kalibe, Cascadia, which we talked about earlier Cascadia. today. Cascadia. The Chago Isles, Kurnau, Maria, Punjab, or Punjab, sorry. That's the parishes yeah. of Jersey, Tamil, the United Koreans in Japan, which we also mentioned earlier, Western Armenia, and Kurdistan. That's awesome. So, All right. yeah, sorry. So, yep, you are out of the running. My season's Mark, done. That, that leaves you with the last uh, question in this format. Uh, which team famously declined an appearance at the World Cup in 1950s? In 1950, as they wanted to play barefoot. It was India. Yes, it was. Correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was too easy. I was, I was confused. Yeah, well, no. Right. Sometimes they're easy. Okay, so that puts you on... Wait, did you get your last question right? Uh, yes, you did. Yes, I did. Chinese Super League. 10, yeah. so you're on 11. Okay. <laughs> Next one is one of those lovely ones where you guys tried to tell me uh, names of players that are in a big list. So this time it is the most expensive players to have signed. So as we all know, the Chinese Super League went through a crazy period of signing up players for extreme amounts of money. I have got a list of the uh, top 10 transfers. Okay. Whoever gets the most in that top 10 list will win the point. And uh, Ragav, we'll start with you. I can end uh, Mark's season here. I can, right? I can end Mark's season, can't I? Yeah, yeah, if you got the point. Uh, uh, So I'm going to say Oscar. Correct. Oscar is the uh, most expensive in at number one. He, of course, we talked about this before somewhere else. He signed for 60 million euros from uh, Chelsea. Yep. So he was number one. So Mark, anybody Uh, who's in the top ten. Didier Drogba. Wasn't he free? Not in the top ten. Ooh. Ruined a season. (laughs) So. Can I go again? Yeah, go for it. Is it Dembaba? Uh, no, Dembaba is not in the top ten. What about Hulk? 
Hulk, yeah, Hulk, for sure. Yeah. Axel Hulk Witzel. Was t- Hulk was number 255. Oh, I should have gone with Hulk. Axel Witzel? And, uh, no, surprisingly not. No. Uh, so number three was Alex Tiexria. Oh, t- Alex Teixeira. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Four, Paulinho. Five, Jackson Martinez. Oh, God. The Colombian striker. Sixth, another Paulinho. Not the same one. Oh, no. No, actually, sorry. It is the same one because Paulinho went back to Barcelona, didn't he? And then re-signed again. So he's actually in the list twice. Number seven is Cedric Bakabar. Bakambu. And okay. um, eight, Anthony Modesta. Nine, Ramirez, who used to play yep, for yep, Chelsea yep. as well. And then 10 is uh, Marco Arnautovic, who used to who transferred Stoke. from uh, Stoke. Yeah. yeah. And then in 11, just because I guess because Paulino's in that list twice, you've got um, Igalu, who plays for Manchester United right now. Yep. So, yeah. So, at the end of that, that leaves the scores at 12, 10, and 7. And I am the first season champion, I guess, with that. 10, 12, uh, 7. Ragav, you can still join, become joint second, I guess, next week. So there's still 10, stuff to play 12, for. And so, yeah, for sure. Um, congratulations. Um, Thank you. And I guess for our listeners oh, that no. don't know why none of the rest of us can win it, it's because this is our penultimate episode. So next yeah, next, uh, next episode is our season finale, yeah. um, where I guess I can just say it now. We'll be discussing the first goal. Uh, yeah. So part of the goal trilogy, Santiago Munoz uh, and his explosives on Newcastle. There we go. It's yeah. a contender. Uh, it yeah, absolutely. But uh, for sure, the goal. Uh, okay. So where are we going to rank this film? I've got the table ranking up here. So the Dam United in number one. Number two, Mike Bassett in the manager. Number three, Escape to Victory. Number four, Bendit Like Beckham. Number five, Diamantino. Number six, Ultras. Number seven, Pele, birth of a legend. Number eight, final score. Number nine, kicking and screaming. And all the way down at the very bottom in 12 is United Passions. Mm-hmm. Where's this film for for you guys? Mark, I'll let you start. Oh, man. This, this is a funny one because... I know exactly where this is going to fall for me. <laughs> it's, it's a bad movie. Um, oh, it's not that bad. It was so boring. I, I couldn't take it. Like I was saying, man, I just, this could be a really good 10 to 15 minute Pixar short before another film. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put it in ninth. Ooh. I'm going to knock down Kicking Ooh. and Screaming, put it on ninth. Aye. Below final score. That sounds sacrilegious, but final score is, is a lot of fun. And this is the opposite of fun. Uh, not that it's meant to be fun. <laughs> wow, dude. But uh, it was just, it's so hard to get through. It's... All right. Good subject matter. I just think it wasn't that well made. Hmm. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. So I, for yeah, myself, I don't disagree. Uh, but go on, Mario. Go on. Yeah. For myself, uh, it's not top six quality, but it's just below. I think it's above Pele, below Ultras. That's where I'm placing this. For the reason being that Pele is could have also been an authentic movie, but chose not to, and had those stupid accents. Um, whereas this one is more authentic, it's kind of still trying to show that football gets played in different parts of the world. So I'll put this above Pele, but below ultras. That's me personally. Above? Above Pele. Okay. Birth of an, so both. seventh. So seventh. Yeah. I'll put it seventh. So you're saying seventh, Mark, you're saying ninth. What if we cut That's the big golf there? Difference and put it in eight. <laughs> no, what are you saying? I, I would tend to side with Mark. I, do, I think I enjoyed Final Score more than it. And 
I think I enjoyed Pele more. I know the accents and stuff were dodgy, but I think Pele's like world building was better. Like I liked the first like half an hour of Pele when he was a kid more than I liked the first like hour of this movie. It was more uplifting for sure. Yeah. I will say that. I think I'm going to have to say, uh, yeah, I think it's ninth for me as well. Final score was more fun. It was stupid, but it was more fun. Um, but this one does have better footy scenes, to be fair. Like the few that are in there. Final score better hated final football. Score? Yeah, it no, hated man. football. There is, there is that free kick goal that was scored as De Batista was flying off the roof. <laughs> um, On so that alone... Yeah, that alone is better than kicking a Coca-Cola can. However, is it <laughs> is it better than kicking a Coca-Cola can? Because is, kicking the Coca-Cola can is like, dude, that shows you how football's played all across the world. That shows you how Coca-Cola has its like dirty tentacles in every single corner of the world. Like everybody, they everybody some, drinks Coca-Cola. I've got a Coca-Cola uh, can right in front of me. The, yeah, but everyone eats McDonald's. Everyone buys from Amazon. It doesn't mean that it's it's just. You remember what they were doing to um, the workers in Qatar? You yes. could call mm-hmm. home if you uh, put a, like, instead of using a quarter to make a, a pay call, you would put in a Coca-Cola cap to make the call. But they never took into uh, account that it takes workers, like, an entire day to make enough to earn a, a bottle of Coca-Cola to make that call. And they thought they were doing this big inspirational thing of Coca-Cola is empowering lives and helping you reconnect with your family. It's like, no, you guys are a part of the problem. Anyways, sorry, man. That's my rant about kicking a, a Coca-Cola can. All right. So basically we're saying Coca-Cola. <laughs> Yay for Dave Batista. So you're going to put this in ninth? You said what? Seventh? Yeah, I said above Pele. Yeah, he said seventh. I said... I think it should go know. eighth. I think it should Maybe go eighth. Maybe eighth is cutting the difference. I think that's what I think, I'm going to say. I think it should go eighth. Impasse. Yeah. yeah. I think it should go yeah. eighth. I can live with that. Okay. So what's dropping down and final scores going down? Final score yeah, goes yeah, down to ninth. Dick in the screen goes down to ten. And then goal slots in nicely at number eleven. <laughs> I'm I'm super interested because I went to the cinema to see that film twice, I think, and then bought on DVD at release, and then I've not seen it since I watched it on DVD. Um, and it's one of those, isn't it? Everybody talks about how it's the best football film ever, and I've got a feeling they've not seen it for ages. So I'm really looking forward to rewatching it. Yeah, I think it's been about 12 years since I've yeah. watched it. So the interesting thing is, like, all season long, our top two has not budged. I fully <laughs> don't expect it to budge after goal either. That's just me. Just early predictions. I don't know. Things could change. Um, but we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, we'll see. Right. We'll, well see. Thanks very much for joining me, guys. No worries. No yeah, worries. Thank you. Fun. thank you for the trivia. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations you on much. your... There's a trophy, the, right? Yeah, so, hashtag forever yeah. first. <laughs> oh god it's true it's, it's it's only funny it's only funny if you know the canadian premier league inside joke okay. well played well played well i'll speak to you next week guys thank you very much well with that from the terrace to the theater we're match day matinee see you next time <laughs>